Hey, it's Matthew J. Thanks for checking out the show. Do you like spooky, wicked conspiracy history and stories? Do you like hearing short stories that just make you question, is that true? Then sit down and turn up the volume. All information used in this podcast is protected by fair use. Episode 29, Broken Arrows. Let me introduce myself. My name is Matthew J. I'm your host and storyteller. I love talking to people and listening about their stories about anything they find interesting. I enjoy telling these stories and doing the research to get deeper into these accounts. So this podcast is about history, kooky tales, cryptozoology, ghost stories, and all the conspiracy theories keep me asking, is that true? Again, this is the 29th episode, and the accounts I will be talking about tonight are about the military declassified nuclear history mishaps. Let us get ready for this story by making sure we have some radiation air monitors, radiation suits, and your MIRA safety CM-6M CBRN gas masks. Woo, that was a lot to say. Let us start there and pull information from the Google machine and learn a little history. The definition of a nuclear weapon is an explosive device that uses nuclear energy to cause an explosion. The destructive force comes from the nuclear reactions, either fission or a combination of fission or fusion reactions. The energy released is in large quantities from a relatively small amount of matter. Nuclear weapons are the most dangerous weapons on Earth. A nuclear bomb or missile could destroy an entire city, kill millions, and affecting the natural environment and lives of future generations for long times. The first nuclear bomb detonated happened on July 16, 1945. It was called the, quote, Trinity nuclear test, and it occurred in New Mexico. The plutonium-based device yielded 19 kilotons of power and created a crater over 300 meters wide. The explosion is the beginning of the atomic age of history. The U.S. military uses the term broken arrow to refer to an accident that involves a nuclear weapon. The accident does not create the risk of nuclear war. The U.S. military term nuke flash is a possible detonation or other serious incident that may lead to war. On August 6, 1945, during World War II, a U.S. B-29 bomber dropped the world's first deployed atomic bomb over the city of Hiroshima. The explosion immediately killed an estimated 80,000 people. The blast yielded 15 kilotons of power. That is some good information to help us get going on this audible history lesson. Have you been watching the news stations trying to figure out what is going on with Ukraine, Russia, and the United States? That is some eco-political tension that has been boiling over with NATO advancement and Russian comfort zones. Does this kind of thing make you remember the Cold War and the continuous threats about nuclear war? It made me think about how World War II started and the assassination of an Austrian archduke that destabilized the government. 
Today, to attempt a destabilization of the Ukraine government, Russia is attempting to threat with the force of troops, tanks, and also electronic warfare, and that's just the tip of the iceberg. The big boy in the room is the nuclear weapons. What if I told you that nuclear weapons are more of a fear than just being used in war? The year was 1950, and it was February 13th, and a U.S. bomber B-36 plane takes off from Esalen Air Force Base near Fairbanks, Alaska. The bomber had a crew of 17 officers, and it was carrying a Mark IV atomic bomb. The bomb did not have its plutonium core since it was a training mission. However, the bomb still had a large amount of uranium and conventional explosives. The test flight was to replicate a bombing run on a major city in the Soviet Union. The flight plan was to fly 5,500 miles from Alaska, Montana, then down to San Francisco as the fake target city, and then land in Texas. Soon after taking off, the training mission begins to run into trouble. Ice begins to form on the bomber's fuselage, and the ice is establishing excessive weight. The weight begins to strain the engines of the B-36, and out of the six engines, three catch fire and had to be turned off. The bomber begins to lose altitude very fast. What happens next in the story? The crew begins to get ready for a crash landing. The first act is to drop the atomic bomb in an area where it would be hard or impossible for American enemies to retrieve such a device or even find it to study the engineering advancements of the United States. The plane is over the Pacific Ocean near Princess Royal Island off the coast of British Columbia. Per the reports, the bomb is dropped into the ocean and then detonated. Captain Harold Berry then orders the crew to parachute out into the ocean and at the same time sets the autopilot to steer the plane and crash it back into the ocean. The B-36 flies for 200 more miles, but it veers off course and it crashes into a mountain known as Mount Colgate. This mountain is deep in the inland areas of the Canadian wilderness. 12 of the 17 crew members survived the crash. The only conspiracy was, did the bomb explode in the Pacific Ocean? Many stories come out after the crash. One is the missing flight crew. Declared dead, but never to be found, was Captain Theodore Schreier. He was the bomber's weaponier. Per one story, Captain Harold Berry reported seeing the bomber, quote, turn sharply, end quote, back toward the mainland once he jumped from the plane. Did Captain Schreier stay on board and try to fly the plane back to Alaska and he just ran out of fuel? Three years later, a Canadian rescue crew looking for a missing oil prospector spots the wreckage of the bomber. After multiple attempts to get to the wreckage, it is discovered that the bomb was not on that mountain, collaborating the air team story that it fell into the Pacific Ocean. This was the first ever American Broken Arrow event. Wow, that was a close call. But that was not the most frightening nuclear weapon mishap. It is January 24th, 1961, and the small community of Farrow, North Carolina was almost wiped off the map. Not just the town, but almost the entire state of North Carolina. A B-52G American bomber was getting an aerial refueling midair around midnight. The tanker crew notices that the B-52G was leaking gas and reports the leak to the aircraft commander that it was present. The next steps were to fly in a holding pattern off the North Carolina coast until a majority of the fuel was used up. As the B-52G was heading out to the coast, it begins to notice the leak is worse. 37,000 pounds of fuel had been lost in a total of three minutes. Immediately, the plane was directed to turn around and return to Seymour Johnson Air Force Base in Goldsboro, North Carolina. 
As the aircraft begins to get below 10,000 feet, the plane becomes uncontrollable and the pilots cannot keep the bomber stable and they lose total control. The crew is ordered to abandon the bomber at below the 9,000 feet level. Five men land safely. One dies due to his parachute not opening and two died because they did not leave the plane. The crew that did survive stated, quote, the final view of the aircraft was one of the airplane being fully intact, traveling very fast, and still carrying two Mark 39 thermonuclear bombs, end quote. Wait, what? The active bombs are still in the crashing plane? As the plane is beginning to fall apart in the air, the plane is gyrating and shaking, literally falling apart at the seams. The two bombs separate from the plane about 1,000-2,000 feet mark. One of the bomb's safety parachutes opens and it lands headfirst into a tobacco field. The second bomb is traveling at tremendous speed and its safety parachute never deploys. It impacts into the North Carolina clay mixed soil and mud and is half buried and half exposed. But no big boom. But why did this not happen? Let us just say it was a miracle. The hand of God, or God's angel, saved Farrah, North Carolina that night. The first bomb that had a parachute launch, per the Military Explosive Ordnance Disposal Team, was found engaged in the safe position. It would not have detonated. However, the second bomb that was half buried in that tobacco field that rammed into the ground was much more dangerous. When the disposal team arrived and found the second bomb switch, a sergeant by the name of Earl Smith yelled, Lieutenant, we found the armed safe switch. The lieutenant responds, great. The Sergeant Smith yells back, not great, sir. The switch is on arm. That bomb was active when it hit that North Carolina farm soil. The disposal team began to run into other issues. The groundwater in this field was high, and the weight of the bomb was causing it to sink. The crew raced to get to the core out of the bomb. Again, without hazmat suits, they get it out. But the disposal team had to leave most of the uranium and plutonium that adds to the explosions. Today, the uranium and plutonium are still in that field. Zoinks! Nuclear items are still in the ground? Yes, it is. The United States Army Corps of Engineers purchased 400 feet of land in the middle of that field, and per records at the University of North Carolina in Chapel Hill, 180 feet below the surface is the remaining nuclear components. May I request you do not smoke or eat anything from that field? Maybe not drink the well water either? Bottled water, please. That is a close call in history. It made me pucker up. How about you? What do you think? Do you think that the war is the only time we need to fear nuclear weapons? These two stories are only two of about 36 American Broken Arrow incidents. Just think about all the ones that have not been released. These Broken Arrow stories are some interesting stories, and that's why I wanted to share the stories with you. Do you like this podcast? Then we need to thank Anchor for helping to get this podcast distributed. Please share the show with your family, friends, coworkers, aliens from another planet, or any creature you know that listens to podcasts. Please email suggested stories or some of your stories that I can read on the podcast. Please email me at s.w.chistorypodcast at gmail.com. The show is on the Nextdoor app. Please follow the Spooky Wicked Conspiracy History Group. Join the group and get the show in a direct line to me to talk about the podcast. The Spooky Wicked Conspiracy History Podcast is also on iHeartRadio. 
Please email me if you'd like to advertise on the podcast. I have open slots and would be interesting in talking to you about that opportunity. I want to thank Angela from Charleston for the five-star review on Apple Podcasts. I also want to thank Nico for favoriting the podcast on Anchor. I also want to say hello to the Czech Republic. Thank you for joining. Thank you and all. Please keep listening for the next show. Good day and good night.